Hello and welcome back to the Real Point Podcast. I am Priya. And I'm Connor. And um, today we're going to sort of do something a bit different. Rather than doing a double feature episode, we're sort of doing a roundup of our quarantine catch up on movies, um, either from this year or last year. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean. Yeah, we're treating it more kind of like in a, a very light, uh, relaxed, almost kind of review tone. Yeah. And structure for this one. Also, Only... some sort of recommendations just from us of um, films we enjoyed um, catching up on. Um, we've also we've spent a lot of time in quarantine watching films. I can't but... even say that there's a lot of these particular movies I've enjoyed. Um, <laughs> the ones yeah. that we've listed. There, but there, there are some of them that are worth sort of talking about, especially if you want to have maybe a bit of a laugh or you don't yeah. want to maybe take any sort of movie watching particularly seriously. I mean, a lot of films that we've watched as well is sort of like re-watches for us over yeah. quarantine or even we have been like sort of catching up on older films, but there's only so much we can fit in this episode, so we yeah. thought we'd sort of talk about the films that are from this year or the previous year um, that we've been catching on ourselves. So, yeah. Um, and without further ado, should we start? Yeah, I mean, um, I don't know, is there anyone to talk about first? No, I'm just going to go through them the way that you've listed them. And to be honest, the way that you've started is actually kind of convenient because this probably was... <laughs> people have made sort of jokes about it being like the last movie in theatres before quarantine oh, lockdown yeah, started and it kind of is and it's Sonic the Hedgehog um, yeah. which technically would have been a 2019 movie but became a 2020 movie because yeah. of all the redesigns and stuff um, I thought it was fine yeah, it yeah was, I mean like, we, we sort of last year watched Detective Pikachu, Detective Pikachu. Um, which we did enjoy um, I enjoyed always... Detective Pikachu quite a bit actually yeah, I really like, really did, enjoyed I, it so did I um, so Sonic was alright I mean I, we always sort of had points in the day especially in the afternoon we were trying to choose something a bit easy going yeah. um, that you don't need to think too much about and I yeah. think that's when we put on Sonic so I mean it's perfect for if you're not one to take anything too seriously yeah. and sit watch something, apart from the oh, some some jokes in it were like terrible, so, yeah. like the the what's it called the dance, the flossing, flossing and stuff um, was a bit, but of course obviously it's a kids film, so you know yeah it feels more cool. like a kids film, like yeah. um you know it, it feels more like a children's film more so than like Detective Pikachu does, which is weird, but I think like maybe they're aware that Pokemon has a much more bigger brand identity to all ages and Sonic, yeah. like. It should be because, like, you know, I grew up playing Sonic and stuff as well, so I should be the target demographic too. But it feels like it's aimed more towards children, yeah. more so than Detective Pikachu does. Um, its humor is a little bit weird um, in moments like that. There's even um, a bit kind of in the middle that's like a Quicksilver sequence from X Men, yes, um, yes. which feels maybe a couple of years too late. You know, if that came first, it would have been like, oh, that's really clever, but yeah, after feels... sort of, yeah, the Quicksilver. Yeah. Um, and it's a weird road trip movie as well, which is a bit weird yeah. considering you've got a creature that can move at the speed of sound um, going across the country in a car that can probably only do about 100. Um, but it wasn't the worst time ever, and Jim Carrey's really good, but Jim I mean, Carrey everybody's already good. said that yeah. um, it is I mean, really I good. do, like, I have such a soft spot for Jim Carrey, and yeah. I think allowing him to do weird characters is always, yeah. you know, it's and it's great casting. Um, it's great casting, um, particularly just for the character that he's playing. I think it's really good. I think if there was one thing I probably would have preferred a bit more of is maybe like lean into the video game history a bit more and because yeah. they couple, did slight like there was yeah. little, little bits um, there was a lot of references but whereas like i felt like there was probably a lot more in detective pikachu that was kind of enjoyable yeah. like ryan reynolds like walking away being really sad like singing the pokemon theme really yeah. like melancholily um, it was really funny but like you know there's um the green hill song comes in at the movie at one point mm-hmm. um sanic 
is there, um, which is really funny. <laughs> it gave me a laugh anyway. Um, just, yeah, there's just not enough references to yeah. the overall, like, you know, but, um, I mean, I suppose material. with the... Because, obviously, they had to go back into production. Yeah. Um, for everything that sort of... It was all right. It wasn't... As I say, there's not much to talk about. It was... Um, it was it was fine. Fine. It was yeah. a, you know, like a sort of easy-going afternoon film. Yeah. Uh, next up is um, <laughs> X-Men Dark Phoenix. Which is actually probably the most recent. That's that's the one we've probably watched last. We watched that a couple of days ago. Yeah. Um, which, <laughs> like, I've been sort of pestering me and Freya to sort of watch it for a long time. But only, I, only so with, I only kept pestering it as a joke because, like, I wasn't really keen on seeing it even when it was sort of coming out. Like, no, you know, we, we were both in the same mindset about it. It's an obligation kind of at this point. Yeah, we've, um, we've seen all the other X-Men so it's sort yeah. of like you want to but we didn't have high hopes and I think that it's, it's not good <laughs> it um, was not good it's not no. good um, which is a shame because you know like even like the last X-Men movie was pretty bad which was uh, Apocalypse yeah. um, and I sort of said it when we were watching it but like the first like 5-10 minutes kind of got me a bit nostalgic for like what X-Men movies feel like mm-hmm. only just because like you know um, Marvel Cinematic Universe movies and stuff are so ubiquitous now that like they have a formula and they have kind of a structure and stuff and x-men are kind of like the only ones left over that aren't you know um sort of under a kind of formula or structure and um it's quite nice like when it starts it's kind of like oh it just feels like an old x-men movie again it reminds me of all the good ones like you know my favorites like x-men 2 yeah um and first class and even days of future past and then it just kind of peters off um the uh, even like all the cast you can tell are quite tired at this stage especially yeah. jennifer lawrence obviously like spoiler alert dies within like the first half an hour yeah. um because she just didn't know you can tell anymore. like by that point that they're the, the money's obviously there that keeps them sort of yeah. doing it but it's not as enjoyable yeah. i mean evan peters like halfway well, he, through the film he pieces just, out very just early. like like leaves i think and that's that speaks a lot with someone that's still an american horror story but um, oh god yeah but yeah, I think it's got to the point. I, I think it's good that they've sort of ended it. I think yeah. it's a shame that as a sort of ending movie, it wasn't great. It would have been nice to Well, have I don't a... know if they were really considering it to be an ending movie at that stage, oh, obviously, okay. before like Disney yeah. sort of came in and scooped up the um, rest of the Fox properties. No, of course. But um, um, yeah, it's a bit of a shame. It would have been nice to have something. Yeah. Um, at the end of the day, we're going to presumably be getting a sort of new rebooted x-men that's going to slot into the mcu somewhere mm-hmm. i mean you know see how that goes along and stuff as well but you know like overall sort of looking at the whole entire x-men franchise there's been a lot of ups and there's definitely been a lot of downs too but it's a bit of a shame to sort of finish this one out on a bit of a, a bit of a wet yeah, fart no, yeah. um and you know especially because like growing up like you know um x-men one and two are really really good three was a bit rubbish then you had the weird sort of um, Wolverine spin-offs in the middle, and then they sort of re- successfully rebooted it with First Class and stuff again, which yeah. was like such a breath of fresh air at the it time. It was nice. It was so nice, yeah. especially like as you say, like I was brought up watching them all. Yeah, it was nice to mm. sort of get something that was lived up to sort of that. Mm. Um, and even having like the new cast and stuff was really good. Like McAvoy yeah. and Fassbender are really good, but then sort of seeing all that cast come from like something so great with sort of First Class and then the little touches and Days of Future Past to sort of finishing out on Apocalypse and. Um, Dark Phoenix together is a bit of a sad one um, yeah. especially because you can tell Fassbender and McAvoy really don't care anymore <laughs> like, no, well, you, clearly like it's sort of like they they must be the paid the most oh god yeah. the cast so it's clearly like a money obligation but they've got so much talent <laughs> the both of them that yeah. there's so many other projects that they probably would much rather be doing oh, of course yeah um, and even like you know the there's a great um, sort of fight sequence towards the end that sort of takes place on a train and it's like the only real flash of like creativity that the entire movie mm, sort of has yeah. um, 
because the rest of it is just so rote and it's just so play by numbers that it just becomes a little bit tiring um and just absolutely no humor whatsoever no. it takes itself very very seriously oh, but it doesn't ever feel like the stakes are that high no. like um one thing i kept saying throughout was that like you know if jean gray becomes like dark phoenix this sort of evil version of herself that can't control like her sort of violent outbursts and stuff but there's no real scale to be like she's super powerful now because she doesn't really do anything that if, if overly destructive if you know what I mean. no she only like, sort of fights against people that she couldn't fight against yeah before, and it's just it. as like the recurring joke i kept saying was that it's just people falling to the ground it's just like she'll wave a hand and people will fly backwards and yeah. fall on the ground and then they're stunned for like 20 minutes at a time and it doesn't ever really feel like the stakes are like world ending or that like you know characters are any real imminent danger even though one of them does actually die it's very very oddly paced movie and mm. yeah um, it wasn't great, but it was worth finally getting out of the way. No, yeah, so I wouldn't probably recommend that. No, I wouldn't recommend it either. Um, moving on, uh, we've got Cats, Tom Hooper's, the big, the probably the single most disastrous movie event of probably in a, an incredibly long time. But um, to be honest, like out of all these films, it's the one I'd recommend during quarantine. Yeah, absolutely. People yeah, have yeah. to watch this because it is an absolute nightmare fuel. It is. Um, there's, there's. Oh my god! Like just, it's terrible. A, it's so bad. But there's it's not a just single like, emotion that you're not going to feel. It's watching absolutely this movie. mental. And I remember even when we watched it, we sort of like looked at each other and we're like, "Is is this genuinely real? Mm. Like what? Like there's so didn't... many bits in it, or that are just like so bizarre. Yeah. Um, and it's so badly done. And I just, oh my god, it's it's like watching, like an like an accident happening. It of is. You. Yeah. Um, it's incredibly strange that any of like you know sonic the hedgehog had to get delayed by like several months so they could redo an entire character and yeah. lose millions of dollars to like redo it and you know so like it, that was weird because that got past the studio if you know what i mean like yeah. that that got approved by someone in an executive suite and then they said right okay release the trailer and then the backlash happened and then they went back and redone it and then the response was pretty um, overwhelming that it was much more it was much better after they went back and done that mm. <laughs> you look at cats and you're kind of thinking someone okayed this I know but, they genuinely looked at this and thought this is it this is this is the one yeah but it's also one of those things that you know they even like after the trailer came out it was pretty clear that they were they were going for the Oscar thing which they were and obviously Tom Cooper had won Oscars before um, for the King's Speech and Les Mis and stuff mm. as well so they were going for that kind of like prestige and I think that they maybe were under the impression that anything would fly because it's got such a prestige name to it and they yeah. could probably try and get away with it. And their cast, obviously, as well. That was a big reliance as yeah. well. Like, um, but even I still think the cast is bizarre for the most part. Oh, like, it's so bizarre. I like, don't know what the fuck Id- Id- Idris Elba was thinking. Like, um, I know, I know. As time goes on, I find Idris Elba to be more and more unlikable. Like, um, genuinely, like, I don't know if it was just, like, he sort of thought this and thought, like, you know, like, fuck it, like and then thought it was actually like funny by that like it, like you know i'd hope that some of these actors realize how stupid it is that they just thought you know the the worst the the one that i feel the absolute worst for is like dame judy dench and i mean mccallum no but like i feel like he's like got to that point he's like you know what this let's yeah. just do this like he's got so much under his belt but yeah. dame judy dench is taken so seriously in this film and yeah. it's just oh it's heartbreaking yeah like. she's like the high priestess of jellicle cats and oh it's... my god yeah i just feel i feel so sorry for her like even mckellen like i feel like he has like he'll probably look back at this and laugh but yeah i feel like judy dench genuinely was just gonna like avoid this for the well you know she was in the chronicles of Riddick anyway so it's fine uh 
<laughs> Even that is not as bad as cats, like, know. you know. And I love the barnacles, a ridiculous shame. But, um, um, but no. cats is a, is a oh mental ride. God. I actually, um, this is such a weird anecdote, but there was a point beyond the halfway point, coming into sort of the last act of it, where there was just this one song and this is probably worth pointing out is obviously it's a musical if, you've, if you're familiar with Cats you'll probably be fine with it but we'd never we'd seen never Cats seen on Cats. stage we'd never I've heard the, the famous Cats song um, through like Hans play on piano when I was learning but apart from that I've not heard anything yeah. else so we about were or from Cats we were so, absolute yeah. fresh noobs coming into Cats so if you don't know anything about Cats then you're probably going to suffer a bit more oh, but it is makes it, it more bizarre yeah. if you but it is a musical sort of through and through but not in a way that it has any sort of real there's no real plot to it it's essentially like a character comes in sings why they're going to be the cat that goes to this better place and then they just move on to the next one and the next one and the next yeah. one until it ends um, but there's a point sort of towards the end coming at the last act where this one song goes on for so long um, that like I remember I started to pretend that I was crying like I sunk my head down pretending to cry and then I didn't even notice that I'd actually genuinely begun to cry and then because I was crying I started laughing and because I was laughing so hard I was crying even more so I was crying and, la- and it was it was a whole thing where I, I'd never reacted to a movie like that before yeah. you were genuinely concerned about me <laughs> but, yeah, I know it was like a, like, a mental breakdown from, was, like, but, this film. but you know what song it was It was the it's probably the worst song or at least what, the, what, is it the one that always gets stuck Magical in Magical Mr. Mistopheles oh, yeah. yeah and that's not even like you know there are a lot of bad songs in this movie um, but again it's like you know and we, we spoke to my gran on the phone a couple of weeks after the fact and we were sort of talking about films we'd seen and I said oh we'd seen Cats and she was like oh my god I absolutely loved it and I was like, but have you seen the stage show? And she was like, yeah. I was like, oh, okay, well, that maybe makes a bit more sense. Yeah. Like, I feel like I need to speak to more people that have seen the stage show, that have watched the film, yeah, how they, um, you know, how they feel about it. But I think it's also like you can appreciate music, but you can also not appreciate the way that it looks. It's not an appealing like, movie. Like, I can understand how the, this can work as a stage show. Mm. Like, it makes sense as a stage show. Yeah. But making it into a film doesn't make sense. Yeah. Like, this is what I don't get. Like, I don't understand what they were going like I understand the whole taking a stage show and making it into film you've got Lee Miz and everything yeah which done really well but they have stories yes yeah. and they also like you can think on your head how it would work from a stage show to be put into a piece of film Cats because it is even I have seen pictures of the stage show yeah um, and like the costumes look so over the top yeah it doesn't look like 100% that they are cats like the costumes are very bizarre in themselves yeah but to like look at that and think oh yeah and you know we'll do that with CGI it's just so bizarre and it comes out so badly like yeah. in the end um, the only one redeeming factor from Cats who uh, cast wise song wise and everything is Jason Derulo like, yeah, like, you know, like, and I thought I'd never say the that the song but. is good and he's actually really good in it yeah like, like know, I um, think like yeah it's sort of like I know obviously it's not a serious character, character so it is a bit more but yeah no that was about the only reason he's having that. fun with it yeah like, like he's, he's putting on a British accent and having a great time yeah. and like you know um, I don't know, like you know, because then there's Taylor Swift has a number in it, <clears throat> which, which is, is the horniest song. Like, oh, I mean, the whole movie's horny, but this this song is horny. Um, but then also, apparently, as I found out later, that Taylor Swift wrote a new original song with Andrew Lloyd Webber for it, which was "Beautiful Ghosts." If you remember that, it kind of like bookends the um, uh, oh the the Oscar song, the the song they were going for for the Oscar. Um, oh, okay memory yeah yeah uh, it sort of bookends that and um, uh, she sort of sings and then it goes one. into right, that okay, yeah. um and it just like i think when i found that out you can actually kind of feel that 
that wasn't an original that wasn't there before if you know what i mean mm-hmm. um it doesn't have like sort of like you know more modern like songwriting techniques to it or anything like that um but it just it feels newer and it mm-hmm. also just feels like it's there to pad the runtime a little bit yeah um and god bless like you know the people whose careers have been damaged by this movie not like the big name stars or anything i'm talking like the girl who's the main cat in it the one who doesn't speak ever oh, yeah. jessica or whatever yeah. it is like she's just a ballet dancer like she just got like her big break so like god bless her and she's great at like dancing and stuff she doesn't well, really I sing very much that for a career like it'll be yeah. fine because like being a dancer like the the dancing part of it's not bad well but in the movie not. side of things like her movie career is yeah, probably over but you know even the the guy who's also like the other cat that sings to her all the time like the gray one yeah who sort of tells her like all the lore I, and yeah stuff. no i think he's, he's a, a ballet dancer too yeah bless them <laughs> i just I, don't, I hope that everyone just sort of looks over this film yeah um, and just thinks let's just won't. pretend it doesn't happen like because I, I, I do feel sorry for the actors in this yeah. like I genuinely do yeah. like apart from James Corden uh, oh yeah um, James Corden and Rebel Wilson making that really cheap blow at the Oscars about um, you know knowing the importance of visual effects as the company who'd done the visual effects for Cats got overworked to death and then had their um, studio shuttered after the fact sorry but fuck, fuck those guys I yeah. don't care uh, obviously there's a lot of um, hotly contested um, poor worker conditions going on for um the VFX industry in Hollywood yeah. right now. Uh, there was obviously plenty going around with Sonic and stuff as well. God, even the guys who won the Best Visual Effects Oscar for um, Life of Pi a couple of years ago um, tried to do that speech about the poor working conditions for mm-hmm. VFX artists and then they cut the microphones yeah. out for the kids. Yeah, no, like, yeah so I remember that. It's there's just... a lot of bad shit going on right now and making a joke about it because it wasn't their fault. Yeah. They didn't decide that that's how the movie was going to look. That was down to Tom Hooper and a bunch oh, of fucking executives. Yeah. Like, so fucking big up to the actual guys who are still struggling to find the work and actually put the work in because the actors didn't do much. I'm sorry, but seeing James Corden fucking hit a crotch shot, try to jump into a bin and watching Rebel Wilson lick her crotch and stuff in this movie is just it's not fun like they didn't do anything like you know they didn't put the work in they're doing yeah i do feel sorry for like the obviously the visual effects yeah the behind the scenes especially because yeah a lot of this was not down to there's a lot of fun horror stories coming out about what tom hooper was like to work with in this movie i'm I'm living for it it's giving me real life especially because like you know i've I've seen lames i thought it was fine i've never seen the stage show um but i enjoyed it at a sort of beginner level and i've never seen the king's speech because again i sort of hate to sound like a like a very overly opinionated teenager and these kind of things but you can see some movies that come out as sort of like oscar movies mm-hmm. and you know that you're not going to be interested because they're made to be made a certain way i mean i've wanted to watch the king's speech yeah. mostly just for the, like Colin the cat Firth. yeah, yeah. I, I, I love his work and stuff and i think i've heard it's really good yeah. and it is something that i will watch at some point but when at the time it came out it was sort of just bypassed and it's yeah. just it's gotten so far on but anyway we talked about cats for too long. Yes, we definitely have. Um, so cats, you must watch in quarantine or watch at some point. But it is absolutely awful, and it is like watching yep. a car crash. I can't even enjoy. I can't even um, suggest watching this movie to enjoy it. I can only suggest watching this movie to just, uh, just take it in. Like you know, whether you laugh at oh it, whether God, you cry yes, it, just, just just so that you know that this was something that happened. Someone at Hollywood, some of the most powerful people in the Hollywood industry, thought this was a great idea, and it is baffling. Oh, yeah. Um, moving swiftly on to my next one, I'm so excited to talk about this. Oh one. my God, um, I, so this is a film that like I was excited to see, but I even surpassed that yeah. watching it. Like I absolutely loved yeah. it. So the next one up is Ad Astra with mm-hmm. Brad Pitt. Um, absolutely fantastic. I was looking for we're looking forward to watching this movie for a while, and then we finally watched it at home and. Um, this was one of two movies we've got in this little catch up because we just we we missed this in the cinema we did 
Because I was this coming just this before quarantine was out? This was later last year. Um, okay, at the end of last yeah. year. Yeah, so, I mean, to be honest, we, we try and visit the cinema as much as we can. Um, we've got cinema passes and everything. But sometimes it is really hard to yeah. go to multiple showings. Um, and this is one that just, we didn't manage to see in the cinema. And yeah, as you say... I'm gutted that we didn't I, get to see yeah, it in the cinema. Because um, this would have been incredible <clears throat> in the cinema. Yeah. Um, some relatively simple setup. Um, Brad Pitt is an astronaut um, who gets word from um, some military heads that... <clears throat> um, they may have possibly found his long-lost father, who he believed to be dead for many years, um, pretty much at the edge of the known galaxy um, on a previous mission he and a team had set out upon, and he'd Explore. presumably gone yep. missing. Um, and now Brad Pitt has been hired, essentially, to um, travel to um, the edge of the universe to bring him back. Um, Is it Saturn? Jupiter? Um, his dad's um, just off uh, Jupiter, on a moon, a moon of Jupiter, Jupiter called... Yep. Um, oh, it's not Janus, what's it called again? I can't remember um, but it's just I mean it, I think more than anything it has a very strong introduction um, it reminded me an awful lot of the first action scene in um, Mission Impossible Fallout where um, Brad Pitt's working on like a, oh a space God. station it just was, outside the orbit of Earth yeah it was um, absolutely terrifying yeah so when he sort of steps out and sort of goes onto this like landing you can see like the entirety of like planet Earth literally like you know it's um whatever that space jump was that that guy done for Red Bull where they like were just outside the Earth's atmosphere mm-hmm. and he jumped off and done a straight jump down um, it's it's so close yet so far away and you can see almost everything in a fine, fine enough detail that it's close enough but far away enough to be absolutely terrifying mm-hmm. um, following some kind of accident like he falls off it and um, he just tumbles down <laughs> like you know oh um, yeah it's I couldn't even I, imagining seeing this in the cinema yeah like especially this first scene yeah. is absolutely because I, I mean even watching it at home yeah, like my heart was, bad, was like yeah. racing like I am petrified of heights yeah. as it is and we have like both fears of space as a yeah. whole and oh my god it's just such an intense scene and it, it sort of rounds up Brad Pitt's character from the start about how under control he yeah, can keep himself yeah. especially in situations like this yeah. um, there's a great bit further on where they talk about his heart rate never even reached above 80 even when he fell from space Yeah, which is crazy and I think that sort of leads into probably why I like this movie so much is that um, as far as sci-fi goes I really like um, like very personal contemplative sci-fi it's the same thing with like ghost stories where mm-hmm. like ghosts and ghost stories shouldn't really be there for horror but they should be there to kind of develop drama or character development between characters in the story and it's kind of the same thing with a lot of good sci-fis is that like it's not the space setting that's the interesting part is that space is there to sort of bolster the personal development of the characters there yeah um as you say like brad pitt at the start of the movie is kind of made out to be like he's he's not a cold person like you can see that he's got a lot of emotion and that but he he himself has kind of chosen to shut that off from himself completely like he's very he's not a horrible person he just doesn't want to feel pain he doesn't want to feel loss he just wants to go on yeah. and so when he sort of goes to space like you sort of see his character not unravel but he he opens up like he becomes more sort of emotionally centered yeah. um he actually kind of struggles like sort of controlling his emotions throughout of it you know and there's that great bit when he finally sends the radio transmission to his dad and he makes multiple attempts just reading the script that the government's given him and then he just makes he just says fuck it and then he just says dad i miss you like i just want to see you again and then he sort of goes away and he cries and he's like it's just really like it really hits you it's really good stuff and then he goes all the way to the edge of the universe just to learn that you know he just needs to love more he just needs to live more um, 
I mean, won't, as I say, we're not really going massively in depth about no. any of these films at the moment, apart from the, the last one we're going to talk about. But um, the one thing I will say is this film has absolutely everything in it. Yeah, it does. It, does. it has <laughs> terrifying horror moments. It has very emotional scenes. Action sequences. It has action sequences. It's, it has everything. Yeah. And I would highly re- recommend. I mean, this this was a great film yeah. to watch um, as a whole. Yeah. It was just incredible. Very, very good. Um, next up is actually probably one of the first films you watched in quarantine, which is The Platform. Yep. So, um, I mean, we have all different streaming services. Not like we're plugging or anything, yeah. but um, we do. So every so often we will, you know, go out of our way and watch some things that have gone on to platforms. <laughs> Ironic. <laughs> platforms and platforms. But um, yeah, so this was one that a lot of people were talking about, um, obviously on Netflix, that it came out. Um, like the idea of it, so we end up watching it. I think we watched this after we watched Horse Girl, which I'm not going to go into. No, but Horse uh, oh my god, trash, trash. Um, but yeah, the platform, the idea of it's really good. Um, it was all right. Yeah, I think um, <clears throat> maybe even just to save us some time. Um, well, not to save us some time. The platform is really similar to another film that we're going to be talking about a little bit later on in this list as well. And I think that well, I'll mention it when it when it comes to it, but. The thing about the platform is that it's a very strong concept and it's one of those things that like gets like a lot of viral traction for being like oh what a clever idea what a fun concept you know or like you know what a fun allegory for the times we're living in right um and the platform is a good idea obviously being that there's possibly hundreds of floors with two people on it each um floor number one starts with a massive table filled with food and as the table goes down to each level there's less and less food for those who further and further down in the level Mm -hmm. um so again a lot of social commentary and stuff going on um and again a really fun idea and a really fun setup and the first 40 minutes of it are interesting they're um kind of engaging Mm -hmm. um there's always something going on you're always learning something new and then things get changed up a little bit and i think the biggest problem with the platform is that it peters out in the last 30 minutes yeah um, which is a shame because it, it, you should say like it's, it was interesting at the yeah. start it's one of those things again it's concept first story later kind yeah. of um, and I thought it was a perfectly good movie but I, I felt like it didn't know how it wanted to end or what it was trying to say in the end yeah um, I still think it's a perfectly good movie I'd recommend it um, it's not time wasted no no um, it's definitely as I say if you're um, you've got the time in your hands it is interesting absolutely um, it was Spanish Yes. Yes. Obviously, subtitles should now put people off films. No. Um, it's also like given that you know the benefit of these kind of like high concept cerebral kind of movies is that um, they really can't overstay their welcome. So it's not the longest movie ever either. It's no. nice, nicely. It was about an hour and a half or something. Yeah, and it's well paced. Like yeah. it doesn't ever feel like you're staying so long in one place. Um, so it is good, but the last part of it is just a little bit uninteresting. Um. Mm-hmm. And that's my only real big takeaway yeah. from the platform. Is no, no, like I, cool. I completely get that. Next, next up. up. Oh, next up is a fun one. Um, I actually really enjoyed this. I also really enjoyed this. It's one of these films, um, actually, that like a few people have recommended. Um, our friend Sean, um, Sean recommended this to me and I, I kept meaning to watch it and yep. finally got a chance to so watch it. So we finally it. watched it and it's called The Gentleman, um, which you, if you don't know is the new film by Guy Ritchie. And by the new film by Guy Ritchie, I mean... It's actually Guy Ritchie getting back to his roots for the first time since Rock and Roller, which I can't remember what year that came out in, but it was a long time to to put that into context. Since since, uh, Guy Ritchie done a Guy Ritchie movie, um, we had two Sherlock Holmes movies. We had The Man from Uncle. We had... um, Which I really like The Man from Uncle. I know, I've not seen it, but a lot of people say it's fine. 
Um, we also had um, King Arthur, Legend of the Sword, oh, and God. we also had the weirdest of them all, Disney's Aladdin. Um, yeah. So now we finally, finally, kind of, you know, got the renaissance of Guy Ritchie that I think we were hoping for. And does it, does it hold up to, you know, the standard that Guy Ritchie set all those years ago? I would say, yeah, mostly. Like I think it's not anything groundbreaking. It's not going to be like it's not the comeback of the century. That's mm-hmm. for sure. But. It's it's just nice to sort of have a normal Guy Ritchie movie again, and it was just so enjoyable, like mm, so yeah. funny. Like... It was a lot of funny moments. Um, it felt like a Guy Ritchie movie, the way that it's kind of structured, the way that it's essentially it's Hugh Grant telling the story to another character who's already a character in the main story anyway. Um, but it does a good job of kind of like relaying the story to the viewer in such a way that it's like kind of entertaining, and mm-hmm. you kind of get all the beats across quite well. Um, <clears throat> my only real thing about it is that there are a lot of moments where like it feels like it's Guy Ritchie back on Guy Ritchie form but there are a lot of moments where it almost kind of feels like you know back in like 2002 when like there were a lot of people who were trying to copy Guy Ritchie's style yeah no I get that yeah yeah like um obviously Matthew Vaughn um famously sort of produced for Guy Ritchie quite a few times before he turned to directing and he directed uh Layer Cake and then sort of hit it big with um, Kick-Ass and stuff. Yeah. But Layer Cake is a sort of good example of that. Yeah, where like, 100%. Layer Cake it was produced by Guy Ritchie but it felt like someone trying to be Guy Ritchie. Yeah. And The Gentleman has a lot of moments like that too but overall it's um, it's really enjoyable. It has a lot of funny moments. A little couple of questionable lines um, that some people have drawn up about whether they're slightly racist or not. I'm not going to get involved in that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, but it's it's great, really enjoyable. Great cast. Um a lot of good humour, a lot of fun moments and stuff as well. Yeah. Um, definitely not time wasted. Um, yeah. Get Hugh Grant in more bad people roles because yeah, I love like after Paddington. Yeah, after Paddington. Um, yeah, he's great. But yeah, yeah, won't go massively into no. it, but definitely would recommend that. My only well. hope is that the next one that he does is either a a sequel to Rock and Roller, like he promised us a million years ago, or you know it's just more of the same but actually just better. Like we kind of need that great comeback and the gentleman's good but it's not it yeah um next up um 1917 oh <laughs> um which was a brilliant film yeah we I actually mean, we don't really need to recommend it a lot because everyone is um is recommended this already yeah. um it's an incredible film it's another one that we unfortunately missed yeah i was got either way i shouldn't see this in the cinema yeah um but better late than never anyway um this was uh, such a, a weird watch as well because we actually had this um, for a really long time been sitting on it for a really long time before we sort of settled down to watch it and even like when we'd seen the trailers and stuff in the cinema it was always like why are they why are they only now aping off the success of Dunkirk like Dunkirk yeah. Kirk was a good couple of years and ago we've now seen, we've seen Dunkirk in mm. it was, we really enjoyed that and that was good too um, and I always kind of wrote not I didn't write it off fully but I was always like it seems a bit weird to try and like ape on the success of Dunkirk now um, but what 1917 is is completely different to Dunkirk in such a way that I actually I personally think 1917 is better than Dunkirk but I don't know if it's overall better I just know that I no, prefer I agree. it I do. Um, I, I, there was a lot um, especially for a film that's basically like done in mm, you know in one but shot it's meant to look like it's done in one yeah, shot you can uh, kind of see the seams like you can see where they've yeah, cut and stuff but that's but, fine um, like, but the overall having effect. a film done in that it actually has like so much in it mm. for looking like it's in yeah. one shot um, and I think that's kind of oh it's, there's just uh, I, I don't really want to go into it because it is such an incredible film yeah. I think you kind of do have to go into it um, yeah. not 
really known. Of course, yeah. Because um, everything that happens that is unexpected in this film is very heart-wrenching. It is. Um, I think that's something that um, 1917 benefits a lot more from than Dunkirk does. Um, like Obviously, Dunkirk is from three different perspectives, yeah. uh, landier and sea. And obviously there are a lot of characters, but you never really get to know them. And in 1917, you get to know these two characters actually very, very yeah. well. Um, and so you have... They're so good. They're like, very I good. The pair of them, they're great. Um, and, you know, they they have like they have their disagreements. Um, you can see that they're long-time friends regardless. You know, they have they have a chemistry. They have a back and forth. Um, and even, like, you know, when, when the action stuff hits, it's heavy and it's intense and kind of rough to sit through. But it also knows, like, sort of going back to the 28 Days Later episode we've done, it knows when to take a break, it knows when to stop, it knows when to let the sort of human moments come through and to, like, have little touches of humour or have little touches of humanity and just, like, the good stuff in amongst this awful sea of things happening. Um, and it's genuinely, you know, it, it has a good forward momentum, whereas Dunkirk has, like, the ticking clock music soundtrack to give that constant sense of urgency. The one shot thing in 1917 always gives it that sense that the plot is always moving forward. They're always going on to the next. And thing. the thing is, there is urgent. There's massive amounts. Oh god, yeah. In 1917, <laughs> but yeah, it doesn't need. To, the whole to... movie is a ticking clock. Like, yeah, you know, exactly. The plot of the movie is a ticking clock. Yeah. He has to get from point A to point B before something bad happens, and you're always sitting there being like, "Shit, is he gonna make it?" On you know? I know, I know. Um, on edge, you see it's, um, but yeah, no. Yeah. It's um, really, really good. Yeah, one of the best movies. But at least I would say one of the best movies we've watched in quarantine. Um, shout out to my. Roger Deakins for once again just doing some of the best DP work that anybody has ever done in a movie ever mm-hmm. um, nobody makes movies like ma- nobody makes movies look like Roger Deakins makes movies look yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. it's truly incredible work good for Sam Mendes to get back from the whole 007 thing and try something new and um, just overall such a good movie really enjoyed it yeah. um, next up another one that we didn't actually expect to but I, but missed it in the cinema I don't really care about missing it in the cinema but I'm really yeah. glad that we watched it relatively early um, was Birds of Prey which is great i actually I like, really enjoyed it birds of like, prey gave I, me such a good feeling of joy we, like, we sort of oh, the thing is we held off um we so, actually watched it quite quickly no we did but i yeah. mean like it was one of those films like we weren't bothered about seeing it in the cinema everyone knows how badly suicide squad went um and i think that was a massive put off for it um obviously everyone knows margot robbie done a good job at her role in suicide squad yeah. um one of the redeeming factors probably um, the only redeeming factor yeah uh, like I hate the fandom about it, and I actually love Harley Quinn as a character. Yeah, but um, but I think Birds of Prey was like so much better done. Yeah. Like they so... took the right steps to distance yeah. themselves from Suicide Squad in a way. And you know, this is kind of the uh, I sort of said this about like Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman and stuff as well, and with Margot Robbie's Harley Quinn was that if they were to because DC have not necessarily handled their extended universe stuff like with a really deft hand, if they were to scorch Earth it, start from scratch, just keep. Margot Robbie and keep Gal Gadot. Yeah. Fuck it. Keep Zachary Levi as Shazam in it. Like keep Shazam. Like if yeah. there's if you're only gonna keep one movie, keep Shazam. Yeah. But keep those two characters. Yeah, Wonder Woman and um, Margot Robbie's Gal Gadot. Yeah, I'm saying that wrong. But you know I don't what I mean? Know. Yeah. But um, it's great. Like you know, it takes that. It does. <laughs> it doesn't linger on Space Squad. It gives you the brief setup of like, oh yeah, we're not together anymore. Me and Joker, we're done. It's me now. Yeah. Um. And you know we also have a new sort of great cast of characters and stuff in it as well. Um, yep. Huntress being my particular favourite. Um, yes, yes. There's also just so many good action sequences in this movie um, that you know even if you compare it to Suicide Squad and stuff as well, it's like you know Suicide Squad is CG to death. Like it's yeah. 
it's all dark it's barely lit it's hard to follow this is um, very bright and colorful it's bright and it's colorful nice. and also just normal like hand-to-hand action sequences yeah. so it's very easy to trace it's very which, easy to which track. obviously they did speak about because margot robbie done so much training yeah she's done her own stunts as well um which missed out with all the cgi action in suicide squad whereas i think this was a lot yeah a lot better done um yeah the cast was really good yeah. loved ewan mcgregor yeah, ewan mcgregor deserves a special shout out for mm-hmm. being um probably my favorite um sexually ambiguous mm-hmm. character villain of all time yeah. <laughs> he's great he's he borders on extremely campy and to incredibly dangerous like in like a snap of a finger um, he's just he's just he's a real joy to watch um and sort of seeing him as a villain is actually a good change of pace from seeing him in some other things as well um all around i absolutely loved it i thought it was a great movie good soundtrack it was fun yeah that's i mean that's about it it was just really enjoyable yep um, next up is the hunt. Um, Another one we watched. Actually, the most, recently. the most controversial, non-controversial movie of all time. I'm sorry, but you know they done that for marketing. <laughs> I don't know. It's just one of those. Basically, like I understand. You, the the directors came out and said that obviously it was the first trailer that they put out that caused all the controversy. Um, and then when they'd released, when they were coming back with it, I think they released the new trailer. Which is just a different cut of like the film. Yeah. Um. Like, and everyone was like, "Oh, it doesn't seem like the same film." They're like, "Yeah, well, that's well, that was a point. Like, the trailer yeah. doesn't show you what the film's about. It's just like a, you know, there's different views." It was. It was all right. It was enjoyable. Yeah, it certainly it was, was. But I, yeah, I don't get it. Wasn't especially going into it. It was lesser Blumhouse fair. Yes. Um, we have a lot of thoughts on Blumhouse movies overall, but this is kind of those weird middle of the road Blumhouse movies. It's neither neither really bad neither really good but it's a fine line in the middle that it does, doesn't feel like you've wasted your time regardless no. um big i don't even got her name <laughs> but big shout out to um whoever the main lead oh was. yes she was fantastic i was actually gonna say the one thing i did like about this was casting yeah especially um at the start of the film um complete spoiler alert but they get a lot of big names and basically yeah. just kill them off in one go yeah in one go um which was obviously quite funny um, but yeah, the the main girl in it is great, and some of the bad guys in this yeah. are great. One of the bad guys is um, um, the Jeremy Solnier regular, who's like the lead in Blue Ruin and stuff mm-hmm. as well. Um, that was a lot of fun. And obviously, um, what Hilary Swank? Yeah. Oh yeah, but that was one thing because that entire like group of people, like Dennis included, like <laughs> all like get killed off in the same bit. Yeah. Like so, they're kind of not around for very long. You don't really see them for apart an awful from the lot of time. start. Apart from the start, yeah. Um, it, I mean, again, not not a bad movie by any means. Um, like you know, the whole sort of like scandal and controversy sort of surrounding it before it came out is not saying it's completely fabricated, but it definitely worked in their favor for marketing for being like, oh, the most controversial movie of its time. It's not. But it's an incredibly straightforward, no. normal movie. Would would recommend it? It's, I mean, it's yeah. kind of fun to watch. It's got um, a lot of humor in it. Yeah, that's a um, couple of fun action sequences and stuff as well. Um, yeah, I thought it was, yeah. I thought it was quite good. Uh, next up is Gretel and Hansel, um, directed by Oz Perkins, who previously done Wherever You're From. It could be either February or uh, the Black Coat's Daughter. Black Coat, yep. Um, also, right, I <laughs> see a recurring, uh, not recurring, but a classic star on Best of the Worst. Um, but yeah, fun movie. I enjoyed um, it. I enjoyed it too. Um, the look of the movie was really interesting. Yeah, it is a very good looking movie. Um, a lot of 
you know, even just down to the fact that um, the the film opens with a, a sort of child telling a story, and it's um, presented in a I don't know what aspect ratio it's presented in, but it's presented in a different aspect ratio than the rest of the movie. Yep. So when the introduction's over um, and the main movie actually starts, the aspect ratio changes, um, and it's little sort of flourishes like that they actually really like. Mm. Um, it's also kind of one of those like probably like a hipster's dream kind of movie where it's like you know a lot of geometric shapes like smack the bang house, yeah. yeah like kind of like but with an offset background so like the house is like triangular but the background is like squared um so it a lot is, of fun touches yeah. like that like design wise it's great like even just down to the fact that the witch in the house has like black fingers mm-hmm. um little things like that that i just sort of really it appreciate was, um, yeah as i say won't go into it massively because it's another one that sort of is quite good scoring blind <clears throat> yeah um it was a good telling of the story uh, we were looking forward to it. This, there's a few that we're going to talk about in this film. The the main one we're going to talk about, we basically seen a few of these trailers when we were in America. Yeah. When we were at the... Alamo Draft House. Yep. Which, um, their trailers are incredible because they it's obviously chosen trailers for yeah. films that they actually want to show. I think this was one of them. This was one of them, yeah. Yeah, this was one of them that came out. I think we'd or- at least... We'd I'd already, seen, I'd already it, yeah. seen the trailer. I don't know about yourself, but I'd already seen it before we'd seen it in theatre. Yep. Um... There's only one on this list that I hadn't seen anything beforehand until we seen the trailer when we were in LA. Yep. And the other one that we did see the trailer for. Yep. So, yep. As I say, we'll try and quickly yep. go bit. But, um, yeah, next one. Is... Um, Guns Akimbo. I enjoyed it. I thought it was fine. Um, I, feel... I love Daniel Radcliffe. So, I, I, I like where, like, the weird roles yep. that he sort of. I find myself saying this a lot with this particular list is that um, I thought it was fine. Um, it isn't time wasted. I know I keep saying that, but it's true. Um, the only thing I think. Um, that sort of works against it and I said this when we watched it is that I feel like this is going to be a lot of 16 year olds favourite movie ever um, yeah. it has that real kind of edge to it like it's good fun um, it, I think it, it kind c- of reminds me of like back when I mean I can't even remember what age I was when Kick-Ass came out yeah it has that kind but of the kind of like feeling yeah that when you're like a teen and this sort of movie comes yeah. out and you love it which I, I get it's like so I thought it was really fun I think if anything it could have leaned into the action elements a bit more I feel like you know there's a lot there's a big action set piece kind of towards the end but there's a lot of middling back and forth between then I kind of wish that there was a lot of more little kind of like kick-ass action sequences in it that kind of took its um took its plot which is a fun idea for a plot by the way having Daniel Radcliffe's like you know hands stapled to a pair of guns and stuff like that's a fun idea I wish they'd lent into that a bit more sometimes Mm. um it does pay off in the end but you know a couple of scenes here and there would have have probably gone a long way yeah uh next up is Onward uh Um, lovely little movie I didn't like it I know you didn't I know I just I mean I'm not saying it is the best of like um these sort of films that come out um, but I thought it was nice. I yeah. thought it was a, a nice little movie. It's not anything incredible. It's not like yeah. Look, I'm not a monster, right? <laughs> like a Pixar movie comes out, I'll watch it, and it will make me feel happy, whether I like it or not. Like you know, that one we watched. What was the last one we watched? Was that uh, Coco? Um, yes. Which is not really that good. But I'm not gonna say that I didn't like it. No. Like you know what I mean? And, I think that was a different. Like that was worse well because we'd watched um, book. Oh, Book of Book Life, of Life yeah. It's a better Google. movie, by the way. <laughs> uh, yes, it is. Um, but no, I get what you mean. Yes. Yeah. Um, and Onward is fine. Onward is good. Um, it has, you know, if a Pixar movie doesn't make you feel like that you're on the verge of crying towards the end, then it's not doing its job. And I'm not going to say that Onward didn't do that because I was I was choking back tears in the last so like that. 20 minutes. Like it's a, it's a perfectly effective Pixar movie, but 
I don't know, compare it to the sort of greats, I don't really think Pixar's had a big hit in a long time. Not since Inside Out sort of have they really kind of really done a home run. I think they've all been good movies, they've all been serviceable movies, um, but nothing quite as groundbreaking or as exciting as like yeah, you know, no, past films. Yeah. Um, but definitely not a bad time. Um, it's got a lot of laughs in it, it's got a lot of heart too. Um, mm-hmm. It should be on Disney Plus relatively soon as well. So if you've not yeah. seen it, I, I would give it a watch. Um, <clears throat> next up is Vivarium. Um, now this is got the same problems as the platform does. Yeah. Um, I think it's a perfectly enjoyable movie. Um, if you kind of like me, um, like your weird sci-fi with fun concepts mm-hmm. and fun ideas, then this is absolutely your kind of movie. Um, there was, um, it's annoying. Like, if if this had been <clears throat> slightly better as a whole, I mm. would absolutely adore this yeah. film. Um, because I really enjoy parts of it, but as you yeah. say, there was it, there the was first forty minutes. The um, first forty minutes were really good, and there was some parts in the, at the end that were really good. Part, yeah. Like as I say, parts. Um, I think um, this is another one you can't really give much away um, at all. But the the child that's in this, mm. um, so good, so good, <laughs> uh, to the point of like I was like petrified yeah. for a lot of this film. Um, later on, it's the child progresses in this film really good the the whole child thing that's in the film is yeah probably the thing that makes the film the most um the difference with this one and the platform being that i think like platform didn't have a, a strong idea as to how it was going to sort of conclude um i think vivarium did have a strong idea of how it was going to conclude but i think for the last like third of it i didn't know how to sort of reasonably get there i think that the platform kind of stumbled from like you know the end of the second act to the end but i think vivarium kind of struggles from like the end of act two to like even like 20 minutes before the end you know um but it's a good movie overall i think um is it imogen poots and jesse eisenberg um i don't know what jesse eisenberg is doing here he doesn't Yay. feel like a Jesse Eisenberg character um, like he's a handyman in it or something like he's like a, a groundsman or something like that like he's good something, with his hands yeah. and he uses tools and stuff and when I say that sentence is good with tools is good with his hands Jesse Eisenberg is not the first person that I think about mm-hmm. like I think of him being as a snarky asshole you know so it doesn't I don't know if it's just to make him more relatable no, no, like a regular I know. character but I mean as I didn't like his character in this anyway no um, um, the performances are good, mm-hmm. um, but I just don't know why he was cast in it. But who's to say? Yeah. But yeah. Anyway, as I say, I really don't want to give a lot away about this no. because it is a very bizarre. It's better going in blind for this yeah. as well. Definitely is worth a watch. Um, but there is a bit of a lull. Yeah. Unfortunately. Um, another thing that this has in common with the platform is that I feel the platform in Vivarium could have very easily been. Um, if they were shorter they could have been episodes of like the new twilight zone or like yeah. black mirror or something like that like an, a weird anthology thing um no, I get that. as a full as a full movie runtime it's a little bit on the long side that it doesn't feel like it's fully developed the way it should be yeah um next up is bananas well the banana splits um, the banana splits movie the banana splits movie i absolutely loved it yeah this was a good fun movie um obviously if you didn't grow up I mean, I didn't even grow up in the time that it was out, but God knows there was reruns of it on TV when I was a kid. Was uh, the Banana Splits? Um, I'd sure, never, yeah. never heard of it. No they're more. kind of like, um, well, for the uneducated, they're kind of like you know, if you grew up with like I don't know, like the Tweenies or like Teletubbies or that kind of thing. Bananas and pajamas. Bananas and pajamas. They're that kind of thing. Is people in giant animal costumes? They're also a band. Uh, there's a, a a live human being character that joins them on the show, and they do 
kid show stuff. Yeah. Um, so, you know, after the Hanna-Barbera property hasn't been used in a long time, they decided to reboot it, but in the most edgy way possible via Gremlins 2 logic um, with a lot of humour and a lot of gore. And it's, it's fun. Like, it was you know, very gory. Yeah, like it has its moments, you know, and I think, um, like I say, I compared it to Gremlins 2, and I mean, in the way that it kind of skewers the entire concept of the movie's existence, if you know mm-hmm. what I mean. There's a... As in the movie they find out that the banana split show is going to get cancelled this isn't a massive plot point but it's there um, and the guy who's like the head of the station says like uh, I'm going to take this stupid kids show off the air I'm going to make edgy stuff um, dark edgy stuff and that's literally the words that he uses and you know like <laughs> they would have made that movie like yeah. that, that studio executive would have made the edgy banana splits movie the yeah. way that it is and yeah, the that, humor in it is very yeah, well done that self-awareness really goes a long yeah. way in the enjoyability of the movie and it's fun like if only if i could have one thing about it different i would be have a bigger cast of characters mm-hmm. and a lot more in the way of it sounds bloodthirsty but more kills you know because sometimes yeah. with a sort of slasher movie where people I think are getting picked it, yeah, off yeah i think the kills in it were really good yeah for what they've done could um, have had more <laughs> yeah. yeah i mean um as i said to you when we watched this it really reminded me of the tv series happy mm-hmm. yeah yeah um or, or more so not the tv series happy but the the kids show that is Big within it, happy yeah. reminded me of this yeah um which i thought was really good also we recently had watched little monsters yes yeah um i don't know if that was during quarantine yeah actually was in quarantine we haven't oh, mentioned that? it oh i hadn't mentioned it so we'll link that in as well because i think they're very kind of similar not in what happens but they're both films involving kids kids actors um and a really horrific situation so yeah banana splits we've kind of talked about really good highly recommend yeah little monsters is about a field trip yeah um with their teacher and one of the kids Uh, his uncle his his uncle yeah who's like Uh, chaperoning with them yeah who's a pretty I wouldn't say a shitty person, but he's just not a pretty. No, you know. he's he's a very immature. He's a yeah. man child. Yeah, is essentially the idea. Um, um, goes on this trip to help because he has a crush on the teacher. Um, basically, this kids trip to uh, is that it's a like a, it's a safari park safari kind of park. thing. Yeah. Um, and there's a zombie. <laughs> zombie outbreak in the military base that's right next door um (laughs) it's a very it's a fun movie um there's a lot of good humor in it and stuff as well and uh, again quite a good bit of heart and stuff as well like it has a nice bit of character development i think it's a bit weird that because when we watched it we'd seen the trailer and even the trailer and the poster um kind of focused that the lead is um lupita nyong'o um who was brilliant yeah who's really really good and so if you've seen the trailer or you've seen the poster you're going to be really surprised when you start the movie and find out that she's not the main character it's actually this other guy yeah um which kind of threw me for a curve at they first they kind of both become a lead by the end yeah. but it does obviously it's, it's really focus more focused more on the guy um which at first really threw me and i wasn't there for it until a little bit beyond the halfway point when you kind of see what they were doing with yeah. it and then it all kind of clicks yeah it does um, it does click um by the time it gets yeah. later on. It also has a pretty fun ending too, um, which is funny because I'm sure we mentioned this, but it has a very similar ending to Train to Busan. <laughs> yeah, oh my god, yeah. yes, yes. Um, but yeah, a really fun movie, um, nice and heartwarming. And, um, you know, like as far as like spoof zombie movies go, um, we're having a bit of a resurgence now, especially with Little Monsters, um, One Cut of the Dead, which is my personal favourite. Um, it's good, I would recommend it. It was, a, yeah, I love the little, yeah. little film. But yeah, Banana Splits and Little Monsters yeah. were both. Um, next up is this is probably the sort of second to last one we're going to talk about before we get into the big one 
and uh, kind of saving the worst for last in a way is uh, Daniel isn't real. I know, um, I don't know why it came to my mind so late on because it wasn't anything. We watched it quite early in quarantine did, too. Um, it was another one that it's, the trailer had came. Was it when we were in America? It was when we were yeah. in America, so yeah. So this was when America... Um, we'd so never heard of it at that stage. Um, no. So that was kind of fresh and interesting. This was the first that we'd heard of it. And sort of by the time that all these trailers came out when we were at the Alamo Picture House, we were dying to see all of them. Yeah. Because, because of the film house in itself and because of a lot of the trailers we've seen at the film house um, were stuff that we had already heard about and we yeah. were very excited for. So... To see this, it seems like an interesting concept. Yeah. Um, is Blum is it Blumhouse? No, it's um, it's SpectraVision, which is. It feels um, kind of like a Blumhouse film, though. It has its moments, but even now, I'm starting to think that like SpectraVision is starting to get its own kind of yeah uh, style. Yeah. Um, if you don't know, SpectraVision is a production company by um Elijah Wood um in association with Shudder. Um, Elijah Wood actually does have a very good podcast with Shudder. Um, and his associate Daniel Noah, who's also part of SpectraVision. Um, called Visitations. It's a really good podcast mm-hmm. about interviewing horror movie creators and such. Um, but their sort of goal is actually to sort of cultivate, um, you know, good horror talent. So SpectraVision have produced um, Mandy. In fact, it was actually I think if I remember right, it was Elijah Wood and Daniel Noah that actually convinced Panos Cosmatos to make Mandy because he wasn't going to make another movie yes, again. Yes, no, it was. Yeah. Um, and they said to do it under a production company. Um, they yeah, also, Elijah Wood's doing brilliant. Yeah, they also done um, Color Out of Space. Yep. And um, now, sort of, Daniel isn't real. Um, the fun thing about Daniel isn't real is that the titular Daniel is played by the son of Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Um, and also, that took me a minute. I was like, oh, but yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. I do remember. Um, so, essentially, just like a you know, kid has an imaginary friend, turns out imaginary friend is a malicious story. Um, you know, and it, it, I didn't love it, um, but there's a lot of stuff in it really, really worth liking, particularly like sort of eldritch yeah, god thing. the eldritch god stuff was really cool yeah a lot of the creature designs or like sort of even like the practical effects and stuff were really yeah. good and like my kind of shit like yeah you know, like that, um, that was the thing like as a whole the movie wasn't incredible yeah but it had these little elements that were as you say like the yeah the creature design and some of the effects yeah. were really well done yeah. in this um, and I think that's what drew us to the film in the first place mm. But then, unfortunately, it didn't all come together. No, I think, like, you know, the the whole film is kind of grounded more or less well enough by, um, I can't even remember his name, but Arnold Schwarzenegger's son, who plays Daniel, is, is really good. Like, he's he's menacing and he's malicious and he has a real charm to him because that's kind of his whole thing is that he's a bit and of And the main character is one of those. I didn't like the main character, though. I thought the guy... No, but he's, he's well known for, I feel like he's... Is he, I want to say Rivendell, but it's probably no, not probably. Uh, one know. of those sort of But I didn't of like him. I felt he was just a bit too whiny. And I know that's kind of the whole point is that he's the meek one and Daniel's kind of like, you know, the charismatic one and stuff. And that's fine. Serviceable. But it didn't... It, who is it? It's Miles Robbins. And what's he been in? He's been in Blockers. Halloween remake, um, My Friend Dalmark, which we still need to watch, but sort of like movies like Let It Snow, which is like a Netflix yeah. original, you know, those sort of things. Yeah. Um. So from a team point of view, it's uh, people will know who he is. Yeah. Um. And yeah, overall, like it's not, it's not the worst thing ever, but it could have been a bit better. And uh, there was a lot of elements about it that I really enjoyed. Um. Overall, I think. Probably someone else will probably get a little bit more out of it than we did. I think. Yeah, but, I feel like um, it's maybe a younger audience. Maybe that hasn't seen a lot of um, 
horror. Yeah. What? Even even people that sort of like o- or only really watch Blumhouse films. Yeah. To watch this, it is an interesting, yeah. you know, something. I think, um, you know, again, this is one of those very weird cases where it's like overall I don't really like the movie, but the stuff that was the stuff that's in it that I liked, I loved. If you know what I mean. So like mm-hmm. talking about the, the creature designs and like the concept of like who or what Daniel is and stuff and all yeah. that as well that is the stuff that I'm here for and it works so well that I absolutely adore it it's just so weird that the rest of the movie just doesn't follow suit yeah um, I know. which is disappointing um, but you know hey like yeah, Spectre Vision are doing well they're only going to keep making yeah. new movies I'm looking forward to like more stuff that they come out with yeah absolutely like, uh, yeah, yeah. They, they are doing well and it wasn't that this was a completely bad movie either it's yeah. just um I think as you say like there's concepts in that were really good but it just as a whole it didn't yeah. Did it all fit together well? No, no. But um, yeah. So it's sort of like the this is kind of the end of our list of like our catch up. Um, we've tried not to massively go into detail. I mean, if there are films people do want us to talk about, um, yeah, obviously do recommend. Um, but it was mainly me to just want to do a little bit more of a talk about. Yep. Um, one of the one of the films that we really did enjoy yeah. which was The Lodge yeah we'd actually also seen a trailer for this um, I think I'd watched the trailer before and then we got the trailer we went to go and see something in the Alamo Draft House yeah. um, and waiting for it for a long time finally paid off because it finally became available so we gave it a bit of a watch I'd say a bit of a watch um, and it was great it might be one of the most entertaining films that we've probably watched in quarantine mm-hmm. um, not my personal favourite although it is really really good yeah. um, it's probably the most confidently made one that we've actually yeah. watched in quarantine Yes. Um, and I think we're going to go into not excessive detail, but we're going to go into just a bit more. Like, we're not going to go more. into it like we would if it was a normal no, episode. It's just more um, why we enjoyed it and the, yeah. why we recommend it. So yeah, so just before we go into this, um, this is a very new film. I don't actually think it is. Well, it must have been released. I don't know what it was like in the states. I don't know what it was like. It's obviously not going to get released over here. Yeah, and if it does, um, it won't be until probably much later no. on. We we've sort of. Um, it, it was one of these films we were really looking forward to. One of the main films we are looking forward to this year was Antlers. Yeah, still am. <laughs> um, which, because of the quarantine situation, it's made movie releases um, have to decide new ways of releasing. Yeah. Or whether to push back. Um, unfortunately, Antlers, which we still can't wait to see, has now been pushed back to autumn, I think. Yeah. Um, so I think with The Lodge, it was just decided to either just release it um, yeah. outside of cinemas. Um, so we managed to get it's not across here at the moment um, so we are going to say that because it's a very new film um, and if you are interested in see it then maybe don't listen to this because yep. there will be spoilers um, come back and listen to it another time yes um, but we managed to get a hold of it quite easily yep. um, and really enjoyed it and it was more we were excited to see it um, as Connor said he did really enjoy it I this could be one of my favourite films of this year um, I'm, I'm going to say it's still in my top 10 as well um, mm-hmm. for the year so far yeah. which is so quite so far I think this could be my my favourite film of this year um, mine is still Uncut Gems but hey <laughs> yeah which I do love Uncut yeah. Gems as well um, but so we'll go into a slight bit of the plot so this film's based around um, a family and the breakdown of a family so starts with father Richard and mother Laura um, have been split. They yep. have two young children um, who are called why can't I find this? Um, Aidan and 
can't find it oh grace no aiden's one of the kids anyway i'll go on to it so the mother and father are split um the father contacts the mum to say that he's wanting a divorce because he's with this new girl grace and he's wanting to marry her um this causes the mum to commit suicide which was a huge shock yeah um, um, in the film it's very early as well very early um also the actress that plays um the mother uh, is a big actress so to kill off um her straight away is quite a shock as well in the film so basically this whole film from on this point which is the main storyline is the father and his new girlfriend who are gonna get married are trying to make a relationship with the kids um, and the kids have a real problem with the father's girlfriend obviously because of the mother yeah but still relatively fresh very wound. fresh um, and because she is quite a younger mm-hmm. uh, a younger girlfriend as well and because um, if I remember right it's that he had worked with her because as it turns out she is um, the only survivor of a, a religious yeah, cult so, I was gonna go, so yeah it turns out he is a uh, a documentary i think something like that yeah i can't quite remember i don't know if they make i that think clear. he does uh, he is like a works on documentaries um and he had done a documentary about a, a cult mm. um a catholic cult um and grace was the only survivor from this yeah. it was her father's cult as well um so yeah um straight from the get-go so that's basically the storyline it's just yeah. them getting together they go to a cabin a lodge a lodge um, for Christmas yeah. um, in the middle of nowhere and it's basically them trying to make a relationship out of that yeah. so that's the sort of how it starts um, as we've said um, Grace is part of a fundamentalist Christian cult um, soul survivor because there was mass suicide um, I'd said when obviously we watched this it sort of resonates with um, like he- the Heaven's Gate cult yeah. was what it was sort of anything that involves a cult is going to sort of like take inspiration that kind of thing if you know it I mean, was like... more the they, they were all lying quietly yeah. with quilts of them it wasn't like a Jamestown it wasn't like a no, craze no, course, they were yeah. all sort of you know, I just mean that it's kind of like you know when you have like any oh no I know like, I just meant it was any murderer yeah. is like oh it's based off no. Ed Gein it's like they all no, are no I just I meant more for yeah. the you know the lying in bed peacefully mm-hmm. um, dead um, so they show little bits of that um, from the documentary the kids find on the computer for their father Um, this crazy video of this cult which is quite horrible Um, it's not a kind of thing a kid should be watching and they get it so easily Yeah, (laughs) all these people that are had mass suicide have got labels over their mouths with the word sin on it there's huge use of catholic ideology throughout um, in, in different things in the environment a lot of it is within the cabin, which sort of drives Grace further more into sort of yeah. a breakdown because obviously surviving this has had a long term yeah. effect on her. Well, I think like you know the, the movie does a sort of weird thing where um like when we sort of first meet her, I think obviously you're supposed to be kind of anxious that she herself is a little bit like sort of damaged or whatever. Mm-hmm. She's a little bit unstable, and that why is why is her father like you know associating with this 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 woman? But like when you actually meet her you're kind of like on her side quite quickly like she's obviously like she doesn't go into massive detail or anything but she's obviously been through this like traumatic sort of event yeah. growing up um like you know she she survived she was last survivor at 12 years old or something is that right i think so yeah um and then obviously she's like in her sort of mid-20s or something by this movie so it's kind of like 
she's she had to she had to process it. She's yeah. had to like get past it, and yeah, they, she's they doing do her the, best. Yeah, because they do make obviously mention that she is on medication. Yeah, she must have gone through massive mental yeah. psychos. Psychological. Yeah, psychological help. Um, and at this point, she is sort of comfortable in herself. Yeah. She's still struggling, obviously. But all she's really wanting to do is make a relationship. Of course, and um, she wants to. She makes an effort to, to get to know the kids and do yeah. stuff with the kids and stuff as well. And not that they make it very easy, the no. fuckers. <laughs> like, well, this is so. This is the main thing in the film. So from this point onwards is when things sort of change up. Um, having child actors in this, um, the directors who is Veronica Franz and Sev- Severin Pelia, I think is how you pronounce their names, two female directors. Um, they've openly talked about the fact that um, in a lot of films you either get the extremely evil child, like yeah. the omen or like an evil entity within a child, or you have like the angelic, perfect yeah. child. And they wanted to create films. I mean, their previous film, Good Night Mummy, is another good mm-hmm. um, example of how children don't have to be either or, they can have both sides. Yeah. And, and this shows very well that the children have evil sides, not necessarily that they actually intend it to be as bad as how things turn out, um, but they do have bad and good sides to them. Yeah. Um, so basically the the father has to go away for work for a few days and the kids are left with grace in the house um they they finally things seem to be turning around slightly and they they're watching the films and the son that is the one that's got such an issue with her like makes her hot chocolate um funnily enough they're watching the thing when (laughs) when this is all going on there's a few little references to other classic horrors um, and when they wake in the morning all the clothes um, Grace's dog her medication, the food, the decorations everything is gone Yeah. Um, straight away she's annoyed that they're playing a prank um, and they just sort everything out and then they quickly say that no but all their stuff's gone as well their generator's not working so they can't get the phones to work so there's no signal no cell phones at all no batteries um so yeah and this is when things start turning around so at, at this point you think that it's all true and there's something not quite right going on when they were watching the film there they were had a gas heater yeah um, there was a lot of like Grace keeps saying is it safe to have a gas heater in Aiden goes on at this point to say that he's had dreams that the gas heater in the living room from malfunctions um, and they're, they're all actually dead yeah um, the, they've changed the times and the clocks for the dates going forward so it feels like things are still moving on it's been longer time yeah. than it actually has been and there's um, memoriams at the front door as well that's later on but yes yes that's uh so this is when things start happening so you're putting this element where you think that it might be that they are dead mm-hmm. and they're stuck in like a limbo um, the, the kids are 100% on this and Grace is still trying to be there and say that this isn't what's going on and things are getting better this is when sort of the plot actually like sort of comes into an element this is an actual serious issue very very serious issue the film basically bases around 
gaslighting rather than it being in a relationship of partner gaslighting it's from the relationship of the children and grace um, so straight away obviously spoilers this is actually an elaborate prank from the kids yeah. to try and wind up grace they don't really realize how much of an effect this is going to have on someone being kids they can't really comprehend yeah. how, how bad things can get um, and I think this is when things sort of so at the start you're sort of you don't really know whose side you're sort of on you feel sorry for the kids yeah. when their mother dies and then you feel sorry for Grace and then at this point you really do feel sorry for Grace yeah. um, because of what's going on um, I'm sure I said to you last night there was like an interesting fact that I'm just going to put in so the term gaslighting came from a 1938 play by Patrick Hamilton when the play was called Gaslight um, in this the antagonist convinces his wife that she's going insane by telling her that the gas lights within the house aren't growing dimmer and she's just imagining it and then in 1960 this became a colloquial term called gaslighting but the reason I want to bring this up for the film is the whole storyline of that actually the gaslight in the, the living room has leaked or malfunctioned and they're all actually dead is a very sort of interesting way of you know yeah it, because they were saying it to gaslight her and i just thought that was really interesting yeah although it's um very um you know it's quite on the nose but it's analogous but obviously i think um more than anything um there's a lot of stuff in it up until it sort of gets until the movie kind of shows its hand um there's enough evidence on either side to suggest that a they are actually all dead and in some kind of purgatory or b that this may be some kind of kids prank kind yeah. of thing until that until again like i said that the movie kind of reveals all the cards it has in its hand then it is very much kind of a mystery up until that point and it's it's an engaging one to sort of sit through and stuff as yeah. well because then it is weird as you say where your sympathies kind of lie and as you say it is very much kind of split 50 yeah. 50 for each of them until oh, no, it sort of becomes yeah, one so more than the other it really does you, you are sort of debating the whole way through what's happening and it does more lean on the fact that they are dead yeah um the Grace is at this point really sort of diving into a complete breakdown. Yeah. She's hearing her father's prayers and summonings. Um she tries to escape, yeah. ends up just running in circles, which could just happen with cold yeah. anyway. And she also finds them near Crucifix House. Crucifix House and sees her father inside it. Um all elements that could just be her because she's not taking her medication. Mm. Um and then the one moment where you realise that this is all fake is um, Agent tries to convince her that no they are in purgatory and to prove that he's going to try and kill himself so he pretends to hang himself um, and it was actually because I remember pointing out to you and you were yep. like oh, don't I need to pick it up um, there's a scene where they go up to the attic after this has happened and there's a, a harness oh, nice. that's the word um, lying on the floor which is obviously for in, tricks and movies and or in place for a hanging they wear a harness so they won't damage themselves and this is where you realise oh no it is all yeah. a prank but this is also where things start going completely wrong for the kids and themselves because Grace really is starting to believe that, that this is real yeah. um, there's the memorial photo that they find of the death there's a newspaper with the article about their death how mm. they died and when it was um, and the the nail what's the term nail the coffin yep is when um, Grace finds her dog is dead yeah 
um, and this is when the kids realise that things They've have gone, gone too far, too far. Yeah. Um, they didn't even intend to kill the dog the dog actually backs and just got out yeah. um, they try begging with Grace to come in and to help her and keep saying this was no this was a prank like it's just gone really badly wrong they show her all the stuff she still like does not believe this by this point she is 100% that they're in purgatory and they have to give penance yeah um, for what they've done Um, so they have to sacrifice something for the Lord this is when you start thinking things are going to be okay and the dad arrives back yeah. uh, to the house um, she's absolutely determined they're in purgatory and tries to explain to him uh, she shoots him to prove this and obviously they're not well she tries to shoot herself first but it's an empty chamber sort of thus proving her point that it is indeed purgatory oh it's, of course yeah. yeah and then you know she's like I'll do it to you and then actually ends up getting shot because yeah. it turns out that there is for some reason there's an empty chamber next to a full chamber I don't know how that worked but yeah um, yeah completely forgot they should to start to so yeah so then the father's killed this is in front of the children as well children try to escape in the car get stuck in the snow um, and then the film sort of rounds up the mullet table the dead father, um, Grace and the children, um, all sitting around the table, and Grace duct tape. Well, the kids are all tied up anyway, and duct tapes the word "sin" across their mouths. And this is how it ends. We don't really know how yeah. what what happens. Obviously, it's, it's implied, short, implied <laughs> yeah. that it would be like a mass suicide to sort of get out of purgatory. Yeah. Um. This is it's not a the plot and it's it's the twists in it that are sort of big. The plot in yeah. itself isn't a a massive like story. It's quite no. Hard. It's very simple. It's really straightforward. It's really effective um, for the most part. I think mm-hmm. um, like you know it's not even an overtly um, scary movie either. There's not really anything in the way of like imagery that's particularly scary or. It's like, more just like the film is built on anxiety and dread yeah. and hopelessness in humans yeah um, and it's that that's the scariness of it it's not things that go on there isn't like big scary scenes yeah. well I think the scariest thing about it and I said this when we watched it is that like you know this this poor woman who's like you know gone through fucking years of like work poor to man, get past yeah. this like horrible event that she's had to grow up with and then sort of move on from um, all of that work all those years of doctors and medication or whatever is undone by two little fucking arsehole kids <laughs> like you know yeah. I think that's the most upsetting thing about it and it's it like, is you know, it's, a, it's a very sad film and I mean you do realise by then that the, the children didn't mean this but yeah. you, they still caused it it's no of course fault, like you, you know, know they say that you know um, kids can be cruel and stuff and it is um, and I think with in this instance it's kind of that um, they are probably not well they just don't have the facilities to really understand just how far wrong they actually are um like you know they don't have a firm grasp or understanding of like just the kind of toll that that kind of life event has on someone and to undo that work by just being so shitty like you know um and just the like you know it sort of goes to show even like you know they they go through the whole thing with straight faces and then when the dog dies it's the little girl who's like trying to get um grace back in the house and she's like crying being like i didn't mean i didn't mean like really really crying like you know just knowing that that's the thing that sort of pushed her over the edge to be like okay it was all a joke kind of thing and that's just like so bad yeah. <laughs> um and like i think that's just its biggest um 
its biggest merit is just you know how it's not really a scary movie but it is just a very well executed very well thought out very well paced thriller um of just a very slow descent downwards um, yeah 100 percent. it's i mean the whole film is based around like grief and mental health and family tension it's all real life issues it's not scary it's not no. something in the woods it's yeah. not anything going on it's sort of what's inside ourselves I mean there's a lot of use of um, empty spaces and darkness yeah. which is very eerie um, but I wouldn't necessarily say that's that's what the horror in this is it's, yeah. um, and I think the kids are a massive part of that like it yeah. is one of you get these films with like evil kids and as yeah. I say they're not necessarily completely evil yeah. but they are the the baddies in this yeah. film really and um, the <clears throat> the eldest boy Aidan is played by um, the guy the boy who played um, uh, I can't remember his name in it but the the kid the lead kid with the star yeah. and yeah. Um, who to be honest like you know until a couple of years ago that's what I probably referred to him as but now I just refer to him as like the weird alt-right kid from Knives Out yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I mean he's um, doing really good for himself yeah and um, he is good in it like the kids are, are both the good the kids are it. both really good I mean kids in any sort of film yeah. like horror films I really do highly yeah especially um, the little girl's really good too she is like, yeah. she obviously um, she's, and she's quite young she is yeah. pretty young especially um, because the, the sort of topics of like you know especially with the, the two kids that are losing their mother at the start of the movie um, for a kid to sort of uh, portray grief um, the way that she does it is actually very very yeah. very good um, she has like a doll kind of throughout the movie that's yeah. she kind of just um, surrogates to be her mother mm-hmm. um and it's very kind of sad, like, you know, yeah. in that kind of upsetting kind of way. And um, yeah. we're obviously like kids sort of process grief completely differently oh, to adults. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a real benefit to sort of her performance and stuff as well. The kids just like the, the boy is just like a preteen angsty type thing. So not got much in the way of dimension, but the little girl has a lot more yeah. going on in terms of character. I feel like he has a bit more at the end where they, they mm. do get very emotional and they yeah. do actually show emotions. But yeah, the, the girl in it is, she's really good, yeah. the little girl. Um, it's, it's really interesting and speaking about the dolls um, there's a whole element around oh, of it course, it's yeah. heart is the, the doll's house yeah I forgot about that um, which it's the they spend a lot movie, of t- yeah, yeah they spend a lot of time sort of portraying their life into the doll's mm. house um, it sort of shows that like a, like the, the doll's house sort of shows that how that absorbs memories and things that have gone on yeah. to the kids is sort of absorbed and then Put through into the doll's yeah. house, um, because you see through it through scenes that if things have happened throughout the film, yeah. it's then portrayed within the doll's house. Um, but no, it's a really interesting concept. Like the concept of the fact that it doesn't matter who you are, how rich you are, or like where, what background you have, nothing like can protect you from like what's two going on. <laughs> yeah, but two kids. <laughs> um, but you know, you you have to deal with your demons. Yeah. Um, yeah. And there's always going to be ups and downs. Yeah. Um, as I say, it is a very, it's a serious concept. I think this is a film that not everyone could watch because there are a lot of serious issues in yeah. this. Um, like the gaslighting is massive. Say the kids, the gaslighting is really massive. The trauma that this woman's gone through and having to like sort of relive the trauma. Yeah. Because of someone causing this is very hard. Um, yeah. There's the the issue of grief as well for the for the kids with the mother. It was a very serious. And so it is. There's a lot of elements. I just thought it was such a well-made film. Um, the directors 
are incredible. Yeah, it's a good um, it's a, a good follow up as anybody could really 100%. hope for. To be honest, I, like, I loved Goodnight Mummy as well. It's that um, you know like the second album problem where it's like how do you especially like you know not even that like a movie sequel but just a movie follow up in general mm-hmm. like you know how do you um how do you step up or how do you show that you've made some kind yeah. of like growth in your style? I mean, I can um can you remember where they're from because Goodnight Mummy is original. I want to hazard a guess and say Germany, but I may be wrong. Just, um, I'm just going to double check just to make sure I'm right but, whilst you um, do double check I'll just say big shout out to Riley Keough for being really really good in this movie as well um, yeah, who, if you didn't know is actually the eldest granddaughter of Elvis and Priscilla Presley oh really mm. oh um, she's great you know um, if you've not already seen right, something yeah. like um, they are German it is German oh. so goodnight mummy um, so I had a feeling that was German just, just about an M yeah so goodnight mummy is in the German language yeah. so it is subbed so having a second film and doing it in English yeah. um, also benefits of course the, the audience yeah overall just yeah. a really good movie um, I'd, like, you know, I would still put it on my top 10 of the year so far don't know what even that top 10 is going to yeah. look like by the end I, of the year anyway as I say I absolutely loved it Antlers was sort of the film that I went into this year thinking yeah. Antlers the one I'm still absolutely buzzing to see Antlers and will be till the moment we see it but this was really sort of took my breath away a bit this was a really yeah really good, it was very good, good um i don't think we can stress enough that like you know for everybody else kind of in the same situation and stuff as well when you're in quarantine it's a lot of good days and a lot of bad days and i mean that in a way that like we are finding ways to entertain ourselves and keep yeah. ourselves busy and obviously um we're big fans of movies as we always have been so we've been consuming a lot whether that be sort of new or old um and it got to a point fairly recently where we kind of both looked at each other and sort of said this is getting a bit frustrating where we watched a lot of movies that were just fine but yeah. weren't anything that were that were sort of blowing us away like you know I mean that's what we said like when we are going through the films a lot of them were like oh no we enjoyed that yeah they were nothing brilliant but no. they were enjoyable yeah you know? and the thing that was a problem where it was like we were just hitting sort of good movie after good movie after good movie but it was never really anything worth really sort of writing home yeah. about like a good example was um from earlier this year as well we watched Sea Fever which is a really good movie too Yes, but yes. it was just a good movie, you know, mm-hmm. and there was a lot of that happening, and it got a little bit frustrating. Um, so when we did finally sort of watch things like, you know, particularly like Nineteen Seventeen and The Lodge and stuff I like think that, that was, Astra, yeah, we, did, we actually done that round about the same time. So it was like we watched Nineteen Seventeen and Ad Astra, yeah, um, and we watched. I'd say the banana splits was really good, and Little yeah. Monsters was really Monster, good, um, yeah. and yeah, and then The Lodge. It was sort of all good movies, yeah. so we're hoping <laughs> yeah I mean we have watched a lot like, on top of the movies that we've been watching for no, episodes and stuff as well we've watched a lot of stuff whether that be old we even rewatched Gremlins 2 not so long ago which is a personal favourite of mine um, or we watched that uh, Day of the Dead which we mentioned and stuff as well yeah, we watched we a lot of stuff the um, Dewey Cox Walk Hard we did yeah we watched uh, the Night the Living Dead remake yes yeah. Um, we, yeah we've gone back and sort of watched a lot of previous stuff um, not just for the podcast just sort of stuff that we've wanted to watch anyway um, oh we watched um, Brawl and Cell Block and that was before quarantine oh was it yep um, we still need to watch Drive Across Concrete yep. though so yeah we're, we're getting there we're sort of just trying to catch up with stuff that's came out this year and last yeah um, we still have a few things that we have got on our list to watch I can't remember what we'd done yesterday there was a few but I don't think anything that's very well known. I no, not particularly. More, um, out there, because the problem is, is trying to find some things that are that are going to be good, especially with with the cinemas and everything being shut. You're sort of relying on 
word of mouth at the moment yeah. which is sort of what you know, what and, is out and, and so long as studios don't release their newer movies to video on demand services and stuff as well it's quite um you know it's almost kind of like things have just paused which they have like you know so it's yeah, like yeah, no, some I'm studios sure. have released some of their films onto video on demand services while others that seem to still have release dates are getting pushed either later to this year or next year mm-hmm. um or like you know catching up on stuff that already came out beforehand like that well is kind of slowly running dry because yeah. there's either stuff that we're just remotely not interested no, in. No I understand because we are getting to that point I think a lot of the stuff we rely on are from other places and they're still being released like yeah. American films and stuff we're sort of relying that they are because a lot yeah. of things here just aren't being released they're yeah. sort of on hold um, apart from that we're sort of just catching up on things that are from like a fair while ago yeah, because there's only so much new stuff you will you can watch while things aren't being, you know, exactly. released. So this is kind of why we're trying to do a catch up of not just this year what's came out so far, but like even just last year. Yeah. Um, like as in like nineteen seventeen and stuff. I watched Little Women too, as far as oh, Oscar movies Little go. Women. Yeah. Yeah. Um, really good. Um, but yeah, things like that just sort of catching up on everything at the moment. Um. As I say, we 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 will always watch one film a day, pretty much. More or less, yeah. Um, I mean, we've always been big into films and having the time off, you're trying to fill your day. Yeah. So we do try and watch that. Apart from that, we've been like catching up on TV stuff that we can. We watching a lot of TV stuff. Mm-hmm. Simpsons. Yes, Simpsons is great. <laughs> Ducktales. Ducktales is also great. <laughs> but um, yeah, definitely just trying to keep films on our schedule constantly, even if it's just something that isn't incredible. Yeah. Um just to sort of know what's out and yeah. what's there. We also feel that um, this kind of structure is probably going to be something, um, a recurring thing going forward, mm-hmm. where the the structure will probably take more of a, an individual movie kind of thing. So mm-hmm. every couple of weeks we'll still be releasing normal episodes as regular as regularly as we yeah, can. Yeah, we'll, we'll still um, try and do our double feature episodes. Yeah. But every so often, every couple of weeks, we'll um, we'll slot in a one-off episode where we talk about one movie that we've seen fairly recently that's maybe a new release or maybe just deserves sort of love just by itself. Yeah. Um, just to sort of break things up a little yeah. bit and it gives us time to think it gives about us more um, of an episode future episodes. To speak about just one thing rather than two as well. Yeah. Like, um, also, if depending how long quarantine goes on for. Um, we'd maybe like to do another episode like this where we, we do talk about one film more so but maybe just do a small catch up of other yeah. things that we've sort of watched over quarantine and what we think about it Yeah. Um, just to sort of catch up on yeah, what we're watching really of course. Um, and to it. hopefully give people recommendations if they yeah that's the thing like at the moment I mean we're sort of going off recommendations of films at the moment as well as things that we're watching you've always got people asking so yeah, anything's really past the time at the moment. Yeah. Um, and yeah, we just wanted to sort of talk about some of the things that we've watched and just say how much we've enjoyed stuff or not enjoyed stuff. Yeah. And with that, I think we'll sign off. Yeah, and we'll. Don't know exactly what our, what what next week's going to be, so we won't spoil that. No. It'll be a surprise. It'll be a surprise. Um, but yeah, we'll come back and get back to our normal episode sort of next time with another double feature episode. Yes. And until then, we'll see you next time. See you next time.